December 20th, 2015, Swap for Pedro Show.
Waffle Pedro show uh, here in uh, Portland, though, not Pedro. Uh, and I'm uh, a little less younger. Oregon, not Maine. Right. Well, you know what? There's Portland's all over. Yeah. Almost like a, maybe a generic term, the Portland. Winter is a port. Yeah. I think there's a lot of Lincolns, too. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of buffaloes. And buffaloes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Springfields. Right, right. Uh, uh, you're uh, good people. You're hearing Richard Meltzer, I guess, here in Portland. How long have you been living here? It's 20 years now. 20 years? Yeah. It's changed a lot. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, early 80s when I first played here, and it was uh, only one bad, Satyricon. Right. So there's like 40 bands. <laughs> right, yeah. But it's like, you know, just the town used to be, when I moved here, it's like you had oh, actual beatniks, uh, you know, from, from the day. We're still alive and practicing here. And uh, and you had a, it was a kind of very uh, culturally egalitarian place, whatever that means. Uh, <laughs> everybody tolerated everybody oh, else, yeah. okay. else's shtick. And little by little, it just got to be, you know, a big part of it was, uh, you know, that it was simply off the beaten path and, you know, it's not Seattle, it's not San Francisco. But little by little, it's gone out of its way to try to be like everywhere else. Really? Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of young people are attracted to move here. It's become very suburban, you know, more, you know, just hard to describe what that means, but it's kind of a... You know, they have whatever whatever the next step after yuppie is for people who have a little bit of money and uh, and not that much imagination. There's there's a whole subset of you know like people in twenties, thirties who uh, you know just dress so stupid looking, you know, out of out of like the J. Crew catalog or whatever. And, and, uh, and it's gotten more and more like that. Like it just isn't, it used, when I moved here, there were guys who looked like they were renegades from the WWF, <laughs> you know, and now everybody is, uh, is everybody's groomed more than they Groomed, used that's to be, the word. There used to be slops here, that's, and that's what I liked. And there, there, there aren't, aren't as many. Yeah, because how many years were you in SoCal, LA? I was there for, for 20 years there. Okay, and that, you came right. straight from New York City, right? I did 30 years in New York, 20 yeah. in L.A., and 20 here. It's not a trip. Yeah. Wow. You can uh, democrate. Yeah. It's Detroit Street. That's right. By Peaks. Not far from Peaks. That's right. Yeah. I never got to go, but I remember you telling me. Yeah. What was that pad like? Did you like it? Uh, it was kind of like uh, at one point... Uh, they decided that they were going to increase the amount of parking on the street by <laughs> angle, angular parking, right. <laughs> and, and it ended up five fewer spots because they didn't know how to do it. So when it was after 20 years down there, it, I, I got to get out of here. I remember you telling me like people talk about people who weren't what they were. Right. Like the waiter wasn't really a waiter. He's really a He's an actor, just, uh, you know. So when, when you were thinking of pads, you were thinking Portland's off the beaten path. It was, it was well, I came here the first time to visit in a uh, week before Thanksgiving in 94. Okay. 21 years ago. And, and uh, the sky was black, it was wet, it was cold. 
and I, I never was big on sun, you know. And so I thought, this is for me. And, and I mean, speaking of sun, you know, like the, the great uh, Chris Burden, the, you know, the performance sure. artist guy. He just passed who, away, right? Who, yeah, he, would, he went to himself nailed to the back of a Volkswagen, had himself shot. <laughs> he crawled through 100 yards of broken glass in his underwear. What kills him? The sun. Yeah, you got melanoma, melanoma. from too much, uh, too much too, too, from a tan. His last, one of his last art things was, it's at LACMA, it's street pole lights. Yeah. And somebody told me he stole that idea, some other dude did that. Who knows? So maybe a pastiche. Right, right. <laughs> did you know him? Yeah, he was on my radio show. That's right! And I, and I was, That's right, you were trying to flesh him out. And I was on Not some, I was on some TV, some like, you know, I don't know what it was, some cable, cable arts or so thing. Where you where guys they had a bunch of people talking about TV. And they had a guy whose thing was rolling a TV up a hill and then rolling it down a hill. And, and, and he did, and what his thing was, he was trying for that event, was uh, showing, he got one of these like Boy Scout kits with make your own fire with friction. You know? and, and so he was trying to, make, you know, it took the time that they allotted him, he wasn't a fire yet. Wasn't there one where you guys played cards? No. A poker game or? Oh, Little Arts Poker Party. That was a that cable was show. Yeah. That, oh, that's the same show. Okay. Yeah. No, no, this was, it wasn't the same show. Oh. That was hosted by, by Lord Fine. And, and, yeah, uh, okay. You didn't really play cards. Sometimes we, oh, we would okay. pretend for about, one, you know, just deal on me, look at you, you know. But, but it is, at his home, we used to play maybe three times a year at okay. our arts house. And, but the show was good as long as they let us smoke cigars, and after a while they wouldn't. We couldn't <laughs> Stick it up the back. Right. Now, that was a trippy. People, uh, listening, you got to understand there was a time where the cable companies actually had to try to sell their racket, and one of it was, we will give you access. They also said they weren't going to have commercials. <laughs> right. They, they ended up. Well, they'd also say, I remember seeing somebody was doing a show. You know, just after or just before the Little Arts Poker Party was being taped, there was this, these people who were basically at a show where they they were definitely the show was a, nothing but a commercial for the Parisian Room, <laughs> but they were not allowed to mention the Parisian Room. So they mention, oh, when you're on whatever we sat on. What's that on La Brea? South it was. Brea. It's like there's a post office. Oh, when you're got to, driving down La Brea, you know, <laughs> great music awaits, and you know, and you know, there's a post office there now. Okay. They tore it down. Right. Yeah, it's on La Brea when you come down the hill. Right. Blair Hills. And they got, you know, stopped. Okay, stop. You, you know, you're, you're being too specific. And, uh, <laughs> you know. How long did that show run? Oh, uh, at least ten years. Yeah. yeah. Is there an archive of them somewhere? I have maybe, you know, I did, I probably did 50. I probably have 15 of them saved. Like on VHS or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Maybe I got a... There's a, a terror, and it was the other one I used to do was uh, Victoria Looseleaf's show, you know, or she played yeah. harp. Harp. And she, you know, a big harp. Yeah. And she would do harp aerobics. <laughs> and, and she... Uh, <laughs> And she would have Harvey Picar. She knew him from Cleveland. Yeah. He, he was on a lot. But she had this guy, whose name I can't remember, who was some old hippie who, who uh, did balloon sculptures. And, and, and this well, was... Like poodles? Yeah, that's about it. And, and, uh, 
And he was on, this was when Clinton was running against uh, Bush Sr., I guess. And it had this big thing with Cop Killer, you know, the, the song Ice Cop Team. Killer. And at the same time, Sister Soldier. One of the, you know, like Clinton, Clinton picked on uh, one, I mean, it was whatever it was. They were picking on these two, two uh, you know, two musics. <laughs> and uh, and this guy, whatever his name was, with the balloons, was says I can't stand. How can any, how dare anybody record something, even just called cop killer? And and so I just cussed him out. <laughs> and and I think they had to bleep the whole show. It was just so that would have been ninety two or something. And was it like an access show too? Yeah. I, can you believe that they would let anybody just come up? Because they had to, right? That was well, if you pay for the time. Yeah, yeah, but but they had to have it open yeah. because the community had to be. That was one of the little things about why we should own the monopoly. Of yeah, that, that a neighborhood. They still do. They don't. That's all over. Huh? That's over. And how many cable companies are there? Two. Huh? Right. There's Cox. And there's Warner. Or maybe they're well, the I same. I don't even know. What, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have cable. But what Comcast? Is that yeah. one of those? That's, that's one that's of them. The one in this town. Comcast. And then, okay. And there's Time Warner. Yeah. But maybe they're merged. Who knows, you know? Yeah. The, the big company uh, world. Right. So you, uh, you're you not big on TV. Well, it's just funny, you know, like uh, I had this wife uh, who, uh, for five years, and she got it, somebody gave her a TV. Somebody who she worked with said, hey, you want a TV? We got this huge TV. And neither neither of us really watched it much, but we'd find they used to have like locally they have we didn't get cable but the, what you know antenna TV yeah, whatever yeah. you want to call it there was one station that had weird sports and they and well, like camber tosses well like like uh, you know what do you call it. Uh, What's the one on the ice, like bowling on ice? What is it called? But you got a broom. Yeah, what is that shit? What's it called? It's called. It's pretty intense. And, and they showed that they showed that the uh, the special Winter Olympics, where they had uh, you know whatever it's called for disabled skiers. They had, had one-legged skiers, and they had you know skiers without arms, so you didn't have poles. And, and we watched that, and then they took that station off. And so little by little, it got to where uh, it wasn't much to watch. And then my, my and the wife leaves me and uh, two years ago, and I have this, uh, I still have the, the remote from this TV, and little by little, the buttons go out. And it's down to, I can only get uh, Channel 6, local uh, CBS. Okay. It's, it's the only channel I can get. And so I look online to see is there going to be anything this week that I want to see. Usually not. You know. There's Turner. Right. Uh, and there's no commercials. And he uh, plays all movies. Okay. So that's the only TV watch. Right. And it's a way I can relate with my ma. She knows about all these people that were in the movie. I think in the old days, uh, movie people were more in the average dudes' minds. Right. Knowing all about their lives and all that. I think right. Hollywood might have cultivated it. Sure. It's part of the whole. Right. And uh, so I can kind of ask her about these right. people and all, all the backstory. <laughs> and she knows right. all this. I've been renting, you know, because I, I can only get this one channel, so I've been renting, renting a lot of uh, 
Japanese films, and I remember you were uh, always talking about the Woman of the Dunes. Yeah. But this, it's an earlier guy I never really knew called Ozu, mm -hmm. and he, he, he made, uh, so I've seen a whole bunch of, he did silent gangster movies in the 30s when they already had sound, but a lot of Japanese directors thought that's that's a passing fantasy. Right. But he did, he has this great, and he has the most dapper looking gangsters, you know, much better than Edward G. Robinson movies. Okay. They're just terrific looking gangsters. Wow. And, and, you know, same years. And he has this one called Dragnet Girl that's about, a, you know, a guy and his gal and, uh, you know, committing you know, not too horrendous crimes. They don't kill people. They they do stick ups and you know tie people up and you know whatever. But the the, the gal thinks we got to get out of this. It's you know uh, maybe that was even what the code was that you, that movies about criminals. Yeah. You, you can you know be a, you know uh, what's the word? Uh, treat them as uh, human beings, but at the end they have to. Turn themselves in. A lesson's got to be like taught. Like in the U.S., lesson, yeah. the gangsters die at the end. <laughs> but here it's like they, they actually turn themselves in. And, uh, you know, one of my most favorite shows is Perry Mason. Right. He never went to the jury. They'd always stand. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> right. But it's, it, it, so when they they turn them, you know, they turn themselves in, and the guy says to her, "Oh, it'll be a few years, but but you know, how he put says, It'll be like taking a long bath. There's a lot of dirt to wash. <laughs> that's, that's kind of profound. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, was, of course, uh, like the traditional silent, would there be a card, placard? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. For the spiel. Right. But he's funny, this guy owes it because he's, he thinks of himself as very international. How would you spell? O-Z-U. Okay. Yeah, and his first it. name is Yasuhiro or something. Yasuhiro? Okay. And he, he, uh, he lived into the early 50s, I think. And and uh, and he has just, the, the, the characters are just very, uh, you know, reasonable and, you know, the you know, humans who commit crimes. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, and he has one where a cop, this guy has just pulled some ridiculous he need he has his, his daughter's dying yeah so he needs money for a doctor so right. he has to you know pull a stick up yeah. and the cops are on to him and so so they finally descend on his home and the daughter's yeah. like all sweaty and oh you know we can we pay the doctor and so this cop takes uh, pity on him and, and says i could take you in right now but I'll stay here until the doctor until the doctor arrives, <laughs> and then he stays through that because he's just so taken sure. with, with the human experience. Right, right. And and at the very end, he says, "Look, you know, I can put the cuffs on, or well, let's just walk to the station. <laughs> Would you like a smoke? You know, a nice cop." <laughs> smoking was big over there. Yeah. They, uh, the teachers did it in the classrooms. Yeah, oh yeah. The doctors. Did, they did. I had my teachers. Yours? Did it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was over here too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did, have you seen any of the Zaduichi? What are some titles? Uh, there was like 23 of them made. Uh, it's in the 60s. Okay. It's a blind Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen one, one of those. You got to yeah. see them. Yeah. You got to yeah. see them because right. they're, they're kind of like this, this human thing. Right. I mean, he drinks, he goes. Whorehouse, he works for Yakuza and stuff, but yeah. he always 
you know, does the right thing, you know. Yeah. He doesn't talk loud, he's kind of soft, everybody else screaming their heads off, crazy ass. And, right. Uh, but this is the 60s, and you're talking 30s. Yeah. Show up. Because, yeah, okay, I got to check it out. The period is what? Show up? Show up. Is Hirohito's yeah. period? But it's also when they're shooting. And what's the army's now? shooting what, what prime ministers. What's the... Uh, yeah, what is it called now? Akihito's. That's his, that's his, that's who's that's his, the Tenno, the boss, okay. or uh, emperor. Um, but there was, the politics was rough in those days. They were shooting the prime ministers. Right. And, uh, you know, it was the Tojo and the, all that military. So I wonder if that was a reaction to that or it was uh, promoted by that. I, right. It was real rough stuff. Um, a big fan. What about Kurosawa in the oh, 50s? That's, I, I saw this one. It did, like it's is it Stray Dogs? It's the one where a cop loses his gun. Yeah. He has to get it back. It has a seven minute thing in the in the early in the movie at a baseball game. Yeah. It just shows the game in progress. Sensibilities. Yeah. Uh, so. You, you, I don't think Pedro even has a video rental anymore. Wow. Like that's all over. Huh. Yeah, that's over. Why, because people do Netflix and that sort of thing? Maybe. Yeah. I just, to tell you, there's not a pad. Huh. Or there is a pad, there's one that I'm forgetting about, but they've all closed. There, there was big chains, right? There was a... Blockbuster. Yeah. Right. All that's gone, all that. But even the little mom and pop ones. Right. If there is one, there's just one. But yeah, there's a bunch of, well, well there's one near How is Pedro itself uh, physically looking compared to 20 years ago? Pedro, you know about, you know Joe Hill lived there two years. Uh -huh. You know we had a wobbly, it's a bodega now, a little this bit. This a wobbly town once, uh, you know, yeah. once upon a time. Get this, in 23, we also had client, and they marched on that. Uh -huh. If you're asking me about Pedro, these are some kind of things that uh, trip me Your out. Your daddy was a sailor. That's yeah. the line, the line from uh, Land Ho by the Doors. My dad, my daddy was a sailor. He sailed the frozen seas. But I think a rear admiral. Right. My yeah. pop was right. chief. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one thing he told me. He said, "Boy, I have yet to see ship roll uphill." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Uh, you remember. Steve McQueen, Sam Pebbles. Right. My, me and Dee Blue's favorite movie. We couldn't tell what it was about. It was one of those ones that would be on two nights. It was so long, right? Uh -huh. I think the actual movie, there's an intermission where they, uh -huh. they just play the music, right? But uh, they're having a talk, right? Uh, yeah. Missionary, uh, some guy from England. And he's chowing there too with them. And, they ask him, you know, his political views, and oh, that's just look see for the officers. Uh, I was in the Boy Scouts. I hated the Boy Scouts. Yeah. But they would, they'd have all these military kind of yes. moments that every time they get together, uh, you know, about face. Oh yeah, I know, I know. And I was, I got, I, I have this shrink who a therapist who, uh, he's five years older than me. He was born in Hamburg during during the war. Whoa. That's that was one of the towns along with Dresden that could firebomb. And it was closer. Right. And so anyway, he, he says he grew up uh, 
reading anti-war novels. When he was a teenager, he read The Naked and the Dead and Whoa. From Here to Eternity. Yeah. He recommended From Here to Eternity. It's a thousand pages. Oh, it's very good. And so <laughs> lately we talk about uh, he, he, he likes uh, submarine movies. Whoa. So he says, run silent, run deep. That's yeah, I remember that one. So that's good. So he says, but you, you, have you seen Das Boat? I, I hadn't seen, you've seen that? Yeah, I, I never saw it until a few weeks ago. Kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. And, and, you know, they gave him, they offered my pop, because he was nuke, so they offered him that dude, he said, no, fuck yeah. no. Right. But that well, my pop told me never to join. Right. I'm not from, it's not a tradition. It was just right. a way for him. He got a red bluff when he's 17 years old. There's no punk bands yet, you know. Right. <laughs> so he Uncle Sam's band. He did 20 years of it, he said, never again volunteer yourself. Right. Maybe. I just, even the idea of the service, I was in service to my country. I was in, you know. What'd you think of Das Boot? Oh, it was great. I mean, it was Ends just, up getting bombed. Yeah, but it's, I can't even, it even sinks. <laughs> but after all that, right, they yeah. go through it. Right, yeah. The right. sausages hanging. I right, mean, bananas, yeah. Bananas. Yeah. That. Yeah. Can you imagine doing that? That duty pulling the headmaster with my pops. You gotta pull, pull some kind so of. So my shrinks is that he likes it because it's he's just, yeah, they're not presented as Nazis. They're soldiers. Oh. Yeah. He, he doesn't like the you know American, oh. American movies with it. Right, 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 right. Nazis. <laughs> In fact, it's still going on. Right. I, I know that when I was a boy, sixties, they're marketing to the generation, but we still have them. The ones. Uh, they were going after art or something? Brad Pitt? Oh, yeah, saving the Qu civilization with the art. Yeah. Oh, that one with the bastards. Is that it? What was it called? The Inglorious Bastards? No, that's just killing Nazis. Right. The other one is saving the art. Oh, that was somebody else. Okay. Yeah. I, right. I, I, I walked out of both. Right. I don't, I don't really go to a lot of movies. I can watch, like, the old ones on TV. Right. So this guy, 75 years old. So yeah, World War II, he's a, he's a boy. Right. Damn. And he, he ended up in the Merchant Marine in the U.S. Yeah, and Peter was big for that. Yeah, and he... he uh, we got a great monument. He thinks of himself as a sailor, you know. Wow. Because he did, he did used to sail. <laughs> and and uh, he's a nice guy, and, and he... Uh, I give him some of my books, he reads them, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got a monument to him. It's a guy coming down a ladder. You know, it's obviously from a helicopter, so right. you don't just see the ladder. And he's, he's get, bringing a guy up. Yeah. And then that guy, he's got the one hand holding his hand, he's t letting go of his life jacket. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I, I trust you, man. You're going to get me out of this. Yeah. No guns. Right. No. It's real, but next to it is a, a barrel of some battleship thing. And it's bizarre. Because not only do they have one round coming out the end there, yeah. they got another round getting ready for the breach, so like infinity. Yeah. <laughs> but this thing, and I think it was a father and son thing that made the sculpture, this guy coming down and bringing this guy out of the water, and he's letting go of his life jet for public art. Right. I mean, what, come on. With from a bank, usually a giant paper clip. <laughs> right. I never go to these, like, Clint Eastwood war movies. Like, you know, uh, Iwo Jima, yeah. Clint version. You know, well, what's with him anyway? He's the spaghetti ones were good that he was Error, in. Yeah. 
Very good. And he made that one for uh, with uh, Dexter Gordon. Oh, it was. Uh, kind of. I, th I think it was supposed to be like Bud Powell uh, and. Um, that was well. That was. Uh, no, he did. It was a composite he character. He didn't do that one. That was a French guy did that. He did. Oh, he did the Charlie Parker movie. That's right. But the Bertrand Tavernier was the French guy who did. Uh, Dexter Gordon was playing. Yeah. Was supposed to be a composite of Bud Powell and Lester Young. That's it. Pork pie. And I saw it. Actually, I saw him and a trio open up for Miles Davis at the Hollywood Bowl with Raymond. Huh? Yeah, I remember. Miles was so strange. It was all covers, like Mike Jackson and Cindy Lauper and all oh, those things. Yeah. The basement. Yeah, he was some fight with his publisher, so he wouldn't do his his tunes. And all right. The basement did his uh, solo on his knees. <laughs> it was That's okay. Yeah. At this time, his bass players were writing music. It wasn't Marcus Miller, but maybe Lewis? I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. But I remember, you know, they'd be in some kind of jam, yeah. and then you'd see them walk up to one of them. I mean, it's the hollow ball, so they're little. And also, the, <laughs> the chord would change. Right. Or if you had a synthesizer, you just hit one key, and the whole band would. Right. It was pretty, the only time I got. Did you get to see Miles? That's the only I, time. I also saw him a different time at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, where they had uh, he, uh, Gil Evans had had his electric band opening for Miles. Wow! In the book, he really likes him. Right. He said it was probably because he's Canadian or something. Why not? <laughs> you know, yeah. 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 Nobody picks where they're born. I don't give a shit about it. Right. <laughs> Never have. Now, after you're born, you can have some say, maybe. Yeah. But not being born. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's your take on Miles? Well, I just think my favorite Miles stuff is uh, the first half of the fifties. Quintet. You know, on Prestige and Blue yeah. Note, and I just the stuff just sounds so immediate and you know no, as new as anything could be, and then he, he just perfected something. That was already being superseded by Coltrane and Ornette, you know, and, and that whole... He says mean things about Ornette in the book. Right. Right? But I remember it was like the time he had an album... Quincy Troop. Right, right. He had an album, Seven Steps to Heaven, Yeah. which was maybe 63 or one mm -hmm. of those years. And at the same time, that was the same summer that I bought that, they put out uh, Impressions, you know, uh, Coltrane yeah. post Miles and yeah. uh, and Ornette had some uh, you know an album called Ornette on Tenor on yeah. Atlantic just terrific and it was like you know his Miles was good and he got he he, he got himself a perfect quintet he knew how to pick a band huh? yeah but it, I, I but think he he knew he was never going to be Diz but I'm going to play with right. good guys right well, I think he you know as far as beating Diz he really had a terrific sense of the brass sound and the, you know the way he in the book he sang. says he got that from Frank Sinatra the phrase from Frank Sinatra that's right he's, he's better than Frank Sinatra <laughs> but uh, but the other guy who was very good uh, died early was uh, oh, what was his name he was Clifford Brown that's what he said he was going to make Brown oh was, before him was he, had to, he died of TB uh, uh, what was his name he was somebody who also played with Bird early on. He died in 50, 51. And, uh, and he was a, like to have these guys like, uh, you know, the white guy who had a comeback at some point 
who Red Rodney. He, he Red Rodney. whatever this guy I'm trying to think of, whatever his name is, he was Red Rodney and other white people. Uh, the one they really dug was this guy who died young. I can't, oh. remember, can't remember his name. Uh, you write me an email and you remember. Right. Because I'll check him out. I, you know, I, I have a lot of... Does he talk about it in the troop book? I don't remember. Okay. I know some of that stuff is made of... The, right. Beneath the underdog. Right, well, he's, they, this trumpet player is in that. Oh, he's in that, He okay. has a dialogue. He's, he's, his health stinks, and, and he's an atheist, and Mingus is trying to convince him not. Oh, yeah, whatever, okay. Whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, but there's some... Uh, I, I like that book, though. You know, oh, you yeah. know there's book, it's written. Yeah. It's written like music. Right. It's, whereas uh, the truth one, it's told to. Right. You know, and, right. Remember, he says, motherfucker said, I said, motherfucker to me. And then Troop says, you know, he had 14 different motherfuckers. It was all the way from good to lame. Right. And uh, interested. I got Georgie to read that. Remember yeah. on tour, the uh, Minuteman yeah. drummer. Yeah. And uh, he was into it. He didn't read a lot of books. He liked that one. Right. Uh, and, we, you know, we, we got all turned on by the, uh, right. the punk movement. We, yeah, we didn't know about any of that stuff. Right. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out this guy who it was. But he did an album also. There was another guy, Howard McGee, who was another mm -hmm. trumpet player from that period. Okay. And the two of them did did a record, uh, probably an EP, in the late '40s. Two trumpets, and they had like Tad Dameron, who wrote a lot, wrote things for Miles, yeah. as a piano guy, junkie. Greg Garland was his the main. Right. Okay, you said you like. What did you think about the... And Wayne Kelly is good too. Wayne Kelly. Well, he's... Actually, in the book, he said he didn't like playing with Ed Garland. He bogarted. He liked... Ahmed Jamal? Oh, yeah. But Ahmed Jamal was somebody who uh, is still alive. In this town, they have a, the worst jazz station I've ever heard. KMHJ. Mount Hood Community College. Yes. Listener-supported crap. And they play Ahmed Jamal all the time. And oh, the great Ahmed Jamal is coming here next next summer, you know, get your tickets now. And and, and I, I never could understand what Miles saw in him. But, uh, what do you think about, uh, uh, you know, John McLaughlin? And yeah, I mean, that period, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Bitches Brew yeah, and yeah. so forth. I, I found it listenable, but I, I just felt it was more the extension of the quintet period that, that it was the music itself. Well, you don't was, think it was fusion? It, Some people it say got that. to be more and more fusion. You know, by the time of uh, you know these albums, they you know live in Japan with uh, you know just a wall of sound. Yeah, that stuff's fine, but but uh, I don't. It never really emotionally got it under my skin. There's a bass player, yeah, um, Michael Henderson. All right. I think he met him at the Apollo. I think he stole him from Stevie Wonder. So. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. I, yeah. I really liked him. He ended up right. like out of his uh, disco singer and stuff. Right. But uh, John McLaughlin ended up. Uh, oh, yeah. That, yeah. I saw that. They played with Blue Oyster Cult uh, several times because they're both on Columbia. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. Birds of Fire. Yeah. And I saw them play at the Long Beach Arena. It curtained off so it was smaller. Right. Called it the anti-cave device. <laughs> yeah. I think Pure Food and Drug Act opened up. Huh. And uh, I kind of liked it. Right. But I never got but another the thing record. Miles, 
what I always liked was yeah. when I could hear that brass thing mm -hmm. coming from somewhere in the sound. Yeah. And after a while, it, it, they weren't being mixed to give much prominence to yeah. his playing. Yeah, right. But I can't believe that would, wouldn't be his decision. Right. It seemed like he ran the show. Oh, yeah. He also wanted to show, like, Columbia when... Uh, they were signing these bands, you know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and, yeah. and there was a band, Billy Cobham was in a... That's the Molly Easter drummer. Yeah, was in a band called Dreams. They were on Columbia. Okay. And they were very much that. like Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Oh. And I remember seeing Miles, I went to, I went to a press party for Dreams, and Miles is there looking like, who can I steal from this band? And he got Billy Cobham. <laughs> See, I tell you, right. that's what I think about his real talent. I mean, great, yeah. had his own trumpet sound, you're right. He had a sound. It was never forced. It and seemed really natural, but he knew how to put dudes around him. Yeah. Because a lot of dudes, you know, the thing where you, you want to look good, so you put lame guys around you. Right. Miles wasn't about that. Right, right, right. He, I also liked the stuff he did with Gil Evans. Yeah. Sketches of Spain and the one called You know, he wanted Miles. to do that with Jimmy? That's what said right. the treat book. Miles Ahead. Yeah, Miles Ahead. And it's, I heard that somebody got, or it's a Japanese import of something he did in a studio with John Lee Hooker. Whoa! That is, it's sort of so rudimentary, it's like maybe they were just practicing and okay. tape was running, but it was released by some wow. Japanese label. But Jimmy never was too scared, because he couldn't read. Uh, that's what it said in the true book. Right. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. But but uh, anyway, you know, just uh, what did I really like by Miles? They're, they're just different albums like this one. Uh, one he did for Prestige that has Elvin Jones as his drummer. This is like 55 or somewhere. I mean, it was just like, uh, maybe it was Mingus with Mingus and Elvin Jones and Miles and, you know, somebody else. And, uh, I think I, I think uh, I've read about that. Just interesting, you know. I don't. I haven't heard it. That he did. He did that big session with. Uh, it was like probably a Milt Jackson session. It was called Bags Groove, yeah. where the monk was playing. And called him the judge, huh? And he just he just he just was so intimidated by Monk. Like Monk would just hit one note uh, and it would just shatter him. And so he says. You know, lay out. I don't want you. I don't want. I don't want to hear you. Uh, he talked about that in about piano Bogart. It was too full. Right. In the in the troop book, I remember. Uh, Elvin, have you ever seen this twenty-two minute uh, thing called Different Drummer? I don't know if we, I have. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's just him. It's early seventies. He's talking about right. growing up, you know, Thad and Hank, his brothers, and right. I guess his pop was a pastor, and uh, Pontiac outside of Detroit. Right. And uh, he, the drums were different colors, so it was like he was painting. He's playing. He right. shows he, he shows you how he put together three uh, card money. Right. And with that kick drum and pattern and the polyrhythm means poly many. Rhythm. Well, he he, rhythm. Got, he got he got a lot of what he did from uh, uh, Philly Joe Jones, who was who, in the book. They say that's how Miles lost his voice. Was hollering at him, huh. trying to sit, tell him how to do sock symbol. I guess hi hat used to be down here, uh, but he and, used to play. I mean, he had okay. a very great sense of dynamics. Well, Rob Carter comes that, in that Elvin really added to. He just took you know. He, 
amplify different okay. aspects of Philly Joe. Um, Philly Joe, with the, speaking of Miles, I mean, incredible with him. Uh, Elvin talks about no one wanting to play with him because of his sense of time. And Ron Carter even has some little spiel in there where he says, right. you listen to pre-Elvin and post-Elvin. Raymond took me to see him maybe 15, 16. I've seen him so many times. Oh, cause, yeah, because he was living in Nagasaki, so his first gigs, jazz machine, right? Right. He had the kids with the uh, iron on. Of course, Elvin's not wearing it. But, uh, uh, you know, and it's not like the Buddy Rich tapes or something, but it's some of it kind of, uh, I see well, Farrell actually go. Speaking going, of Buddy Rich, yeah. you know, to me, the guy who's very much like him is, uh, you know, uh, Ginger Baker. <laughs> Have you seen his movie where he breaks the guy's plays with everybody, you know? No, but the guy who makes the movie he breaks his nose right. or something. The cane. Right. Yeah. Uh, go off. Did you go to Catalina's? You must have. Uh, the one out Kauai yeah, by the bookstore. Was always. Uh, oh no, magazine. I found it really unpleasant. It was always like a clip joint. It felt like a clip yeah, joint. Yeah, big time. I saw Cecil Taylor there. I thought that was a great show there. Yeah. That's the one thing well, about these Byron, guys going to Byron a... Coley said that he was looking to do, to reissue the... Uh, Spielgush. Yeah, with, with Raymond drawing oh, something. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's in the works. It's a tube... Uh, Test tube, or tube feeding records. So you got any copies of that left? That I can buy from you? Yeah. I'll give you some. Oh, because I, you know, that's there's always like uh, you know, I have no, I've never had a calling card, but I, I'd love to have that as. Okay. Always when I get home, Pedro, we got a hell ride after tonight's show. Yeah. Did you ever make the ride? So which one? Portland, <laughs> SoCal. Uh, only coming up. Like <laughs> okay, once. that's the only one you did. Yeah. All the rest. Did you ever go back? I visited. Okay, that's what I mean. me that's right. That's right. Back maybe that's right. Three times. So in Smegma, you were riding in a van. Right. Okay. So that's the route I'm taking tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> so when I get there, but right you know what? Well, one of these routes is like it's all like the smell of the chicken shit along the road, right? Kauschwitz. Huh? It's called the Harris Ridge. Okay. <laughs> With the cow, they're, they're laying in their own Kaush, shit and yeah. stuff. Right. That's called the I five, huh? Right. It unites us. Three Pacific states. There's this woman named Caitlin Nee Donovan, folk singer from this town. Yeah. Who, uh, she's, uh, I shouldn't say this really about her. But she's a very suicidal person. She's just such, she's yeah. somebody who once was on that road and saw these cows suffering and thought she, like, that she wanted to die because she couldn't stand to see the suffering of cows. And her, her friend Wayne talked her out of it by saying, the cows need you, even if even if you can't save them, they, they need Still your need. sympathy. Right, right. And so... Empathy. But it was that, taking that road. Somebody told me once, sympathy is patting you on the top of the head where yeah. empathy you actually right. feel. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, terrible that with words. Speaking of words, writing. Am I writing? I'm writing a lot less. Okay. And the reason I'm writing a lot less is this wife of mine, five years, uh, she didn't like my writing. And it was like, she not only disliked it, she hated it. And she'd say things to me like, uh, you know, uh, 
it's too masculine and it's too negative. And so every time I try to do, uh, you know, sit, and she also just thought it's, uh, it's not reasonable work that it's, that uh, I can't, I can't consider myself to be a worker if all I'm doing is writing. She's the head of the cheese department at the New Seasons uh, Health Food uh, Emporium. Okay. The, she had to go to work every day. And, you know, I worked at home. And yeah, worked, sure. But it wasn't work. And so she said to me things like, you haven't done an honest day's work in your life. Jesus. And so little by little, it, it, you got I, beat I, down. I did less of it. Yeah. And I found that I was losing my chops by not yeah, doing sure, it full right? time. I used to do it full time. And so now I find I, I, I never got my chops fully back. And I write in miniature. I write things that are like, uh, you know, uh, four inches of, uh, of text. And that's, that's a job well that's done. That's work. Yeah. yeah. I just can't. I, I, don't, I don't have, I don't think in, uh, in decent sentence form. You know, when I try to make a sentence. Yeah. It takes me two days to come up with a, sen a sentence that I'm willing to put my name on. So, so I can I would say I don't go more than a week on anything that I try to do, and it could be three sentences, you know, it could be seven sentences, but that's about the max. Okay, so like there's definitely no novels. I'm writing for that, yeah, no novels. Yeah, I'm, but I'm trying to. Uh, what about a collection of these four inches? Uh, yeah, I've been writing for uh, Byron Cole. He has this new thing called Bull Tongue Review. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I give yeah, him yeah. Mini a miniature. Uh, I wrote this one. This was like the, the shortest one yet. I wrote uh, Mankind's Mankind's <coughs> dogs are certainly greater than his gods. A little, you know, dyslexia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a thought I had when I, on my 70th birthday, I wrote that down. And so that's a sense. That's a sense. But it's a word. And that's the full, yeah. that's the full piece. Sure. That's all. Yeah. Uh, and I just find it hard to do, uh, somebody wants, somebody last year wanted me to do a piece to review, there was a Doors biography, by documentary on PBS that I didn't like. He says, well, well, review it, you know, I'll give you $500. Oh. So I tried to do it, I just couldn't come up with a, you know, a, a sequence of sentences that uh, sounded any good. Yeah. Well, what? how long did Rimbaud do pay, uh, poems? Like two years? Well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now, Elvin. Yeah. Elvin, I think, was playing with oxygen. I mean, some... Is that right? Yeah, he... Some guys go down swinging, right? But I don't think that's. I think you can have a, a George. Georgie's not playing drums that much, right? I read a, a, a couple of books that got put out by some art museum in Philadelphia. The the writings, the poems, and aphorisms of Sun Ra. Whoa, Sunny Blau. And, it, and it's fairly good stuff, you know. Where he's saying uh, he doesn't, he just doesn't go for this this God system. You know, and it's just, it's like, uh, God has a lot to answer for. Uh, he's not worthy of our respect because death. Yeah, death. So can you fucking imagine death? Yeah, I think uh, he had some trippy ailments as young man. Right. So, yeah, I think he's a, uh, 
He, he said, there's a satellite spinning documentary on him. But I would like to read his, his writings. Right. Uh, kind of profound guy. Yeah. And balls out as far as letting freak flag fly. I mean, You've seen the movie, uh, you know, what's it called? Uh, this was a kind of documentary. It's almost... But there's a fiction film that he's in, you know, oh. from, you know... I didn't know Space that. Space is the place, whatever. It's got some title like that, yeah, and it's okay. it's terrific. It's, it's about he, you know, he come, he's plays an alien. He comes from some place where maybe on, I did on his planet vegetables float, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and he comes to the U.S. basically, uh, you know, of all places to land because he wants to rid the country of pimps. Of and that's like the plot of the movie. It's, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you are, as a special Byron would tell you, man, you, to hear that Richard Meltzer lost his chops at writing is, is tough, man. Well, it feels like, you know, if, if, if I had to, uh, you know, face my final days thinking like, geez, I could have written so much more, I feel like I, I have, I, I did come up with a body of work yeah. that I'm proud of. Yeah. And so, at the very least, uh, I don't feel that I uh, wasted the time that I did put in, you know? <laughs> and uh, sometimes, just for no particular reason, in the middle of the day, I remember something funny that I wrote, and I go find it in a book, you know? I, I can give myself a giggle, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I wrote, for instance, there was this thing yeah. about, I think it was a piece about burgers you know, that I wrote for the LA Reader. And it got reprinted in my, uh, in LA's the capital of Kansas. Yeah. And, and there's something there where I'm talking about uh, various ways to die, you know, burgers being one of the, it's one of the possible ways to die. <laughs> you know, when I say like, you know, you, you could ingest red paint, you know, you could stick spokes, uh, you know, through vital organs, you know, or you can have burgers, burgers. You, know, you know, which would you, what do you prefer? So do you have plans to leave Portland? I'm too old to think about yeah. another place, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I feel like I feel still connected to the, uh, not the imaginary Portland that, you know, uh, how it looked 20 years ago, but I just, it just, I like the people, you know, it's a civil place. Yeah. And I have, uh, you know, enough friends who are themselves never going to leave yeah. this place, and so uh, I'll call it Good home. Good cover. But you were talking, one of my friends is this guy, Jimmy McDonough. Yeah. Who, who just came out with, he wrote the Neil Young bio a few years ago, and he just wrote the, the Autobiography of Fogarty, as told to Jimmy McDonough. My uh, organ man, Pete. Yeah? He read it. He yeah. liked it a lot. And he said... He trippy had, guy. So Jimmy said he had a really fight with Fogarty. You know, like... Uh, trippy guy. Yeah. I mean, he's big in my life because of D. Boone. When right. I met D. Boone, that's the only rock man he knew. Right. And I remember his ma put me on bass. I didn't know what a bass was. Arena Rock. Right. We saw T Rex. A bass. Yeah, bass. <laughs> I didn't. And I'm hearing the records. I mean, the records. They're laying on the yeah. hardwood floor, no covers. Uh, grape juice on them. We got to put six quarters on the yeah. needle. 
to keep her from skipping. But I can't hear what the bass guy's doing. So I thought, well, if I wear the singer shirts, maybe Dean Moon will still like me. Uh, and that's how I got into the flow. All right. <laughs> no lumberjack and farmers. Right. Or, I mean, real Get this. The boss of Pendleton, you know, you have a town back east right. of the state. He wrote me a letter. Why? You've done great, uh, whatever. Yeah. She'll work yeah. <laughs> for us. So I'm going to send you three of my favorite penalties. Yeah. Yeah, they were like taupe and puce. Oh, <laughs> I never yeah. wore taupe. <laughs> no, these color, these word, yeah. color words. Uh, yeah. Yeah, puce bone, right. <laughs> mauve. This guy wants to just. Remember the crayons? That's where they had the names. There's this uh, Kenneth Anger, you know, this filmmaker. He does like satanic movies and all that. And and he's the guy. He's the first guy to use rock rock songs before Scorsese did uh, okay. Main Streets. He was doing yeah. movies with custom car commandos, people waxing their cars with this music playing and all that. Anyway, he did one of his movies. is called Puce Moment. <laughs> anyway, I never wore any of these. Right. <laughs> it was yeah. a puce moment for me. Right. I can wear these things. Yeah. I mean, a penalty for me is like the gray. I mean, they are, they're great. You gotta watch out though, don't dry them. Because they end up about this thing. Right. <laughs> they shrink them. And speaking yeah. of Dean Boone, uh, this would really get on. You know, they're kind of scratchy wool. Yeah. And I, I would wear them with no undershirt. Yeah, they have cotton too. Yeah, well, the ones I wore were these wool ones that yeah, I know. like hair shirts, yeah. okay? And Dean Boone couldn't stand to see me wearing them, even though he doesn't have it on. Yeah. Just the idea of me. Just to think that. <laughs> what it feels it was, like. Yeah. He would like it so upset about It's yeah. one of the only things he really got upset about with me was wearing a penalty without a shirt under it. Right. So scratchy. The other thing, he hated bugs. bugs. Told me when he was five, yeah, somebody had a mayonnaise jar full of spiders. And he opened it up, put his hand in it, and they yeah. called up his arm. So, freaked him out. Right. Freaked him out. We, we lived next door. I first moved out when we were 18. So, who, who filled up the jar? I don't know. I was there. I was five years old. Yeah, I know. It wasn't him. It was some, he said he found it and opened it up. And right. When we first moved out, we got apartments that were next to each other, little right. bungalows. And we were working at Jack, French cooking, Jack in the box, Jacques in the box, you know, $1.65 an hour, and 11 to 7 graveyard. And every time we'd come home in the morning, uh, there'd be a fucking big ass grasshopper in the corner of his pad. Huh? I said, "We kill it, you know." Did we? How, why we kill it? You know, how's it come back? And uh, I, I see his overhead there, this uh, ceiling. Yeah. And there's a panel. And I go, look, take that lamp off this little table. Let me climb up and have a look in there. And so I get lifted up and. You know, it's all dark and everything. I said, Tibuna, take the shade off that lamp and pass it up to me. Uh, <laughs> and I bring, I'm up to my shoulders up in the attic, right? Yeah. There's my 50 meters. Right. Yeah. I scream and drop the lamp yeah. bulb breaks. Tibun right away gets the hammer nail, nail that thing, moves the next thing. Right. Yeah, he had a phobia about bugs. This big, strong right. guy. Yeah. Bugs just creeped him out. Yeah. I, uh, trippy. I think of him all William, the time. William Burroughs, centipedes, uh, spoke to him. He just couldn't stand the idea of centipedes. 
I hear in Japan, they, they crawl on your pad and they bite you. Bite you. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's what some of my friends over there said, watch out. They come in there and bite you. Whew, kind of scary. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to me, and I feel very much like uh, I wish I could. I don't think I can manage the show tonight. Don't worry. But uh, I'll come back. You know. Yeah. Portland's a, a regular. I'll uh, still be here. You know. Uh, what do you call that? Stop on the circuit. Right. You know how I do it. Fall time I go clockwise. Uh-huh. Springtime, I go counterclockwise oh, okay. because you want to get out of the north because before it gets too cold, you want the south do you have a, to like, cool down. Do you have like a large size map in, in your place with a <laughs> the Booker Man does? Yeah. <laughs> Steve Call. Right. No, I, 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 I kind of got it branded on my brain. I once bought a map, a wall map, when I was starting to listen to the blues about 15 years ago. I wanted to, you know, Mississippi, I wanted to see the Delta. You know, where's St. Louis in relation to right. Memphis? And I got a Clarksville. You know, I played there with Taft Alco. Okay. Clarksville. I th- Highway 61, you know, right. uh, the crossroads. Right. Yeah. I got some, like, kind of Disneyland right. thing, kitsch thing there. and But, yeah, that Yalu, Yazoo River. Right. Yellow Dog. And yeah. Wow. So the, you did it with the map. Well, in springtime, you want to get out south before it gets too hot. You want to wait for the north. This is stuff from Vaudeville. But so, as I... Actually, I've come to embrace Vaudeville. Okay. I feel I'm more part of that tradition. Yeah. Yeah, of course, Little Richard and rock and roll. Okay. But I do feel part of Vaudeville. Do you ever feel like a comedian? Yeah, or a juggler or whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. The guys, right, they're on the farm. Or whatever they don't have to. There's no television. There's no radio. They right. have to have guys come work the towns. Right. I don't. I think that's uh, maybe the, the head of the cheese department don't think it's honest work, but I'm into it. You know. And it's oh, she price. would think she would think what you do is honest oh, work. She? But writing oh, is just like uh, writing is incredible. She just think it's it's a trifle. Well, where does she think I get inspired to write all the songs? Is there right. other musicians? No, it's writers. Writers, the biggest influence on me, incredible. Uh, You know, we can put together a sentence I've been reading is this Cormac McCarthy. Right. He's a guy who read Faulkner. You know, he 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 ate for breakfast. Yeah. In light of August, Joe Christmas. Right. Oh yeah. Oh my God, I read that baby in two days. I blew my, I couldn't let it go. Right. Now, and that didn't take work. Maybe it just flowed out his hand. Dictated it to somebody. One of the things I like. Did he hate editors? I'm sure he didn't get along with them. Yeah, and he tried Hollywood, right? Big sleep. He made a lot of money from made Hollywood, money, but which took away from the time on the real books. Right, right. He wrote. A, he actually wrote a, a screen. Howard Howard Hughes uh, paid him good money to write a screenplay for a, a movie that never got shot. The Churchill story. It was supposed to be a three-hour movie. And he actually wrote this like thing. Like Winston Churchill? Yes. And this was like during the war, be a patriotic, you know. And it was, and one of the characters was uh, De Gaulle, you know. So he actually had to have dialogue, De Gaulle speaking uh, to subordinates or whatever. And, and, and so somebody, uh, maybe 10 years ago, I found some, somebody, some literary critic, 
said, I have to find this script, and it's in some archive in Hollywood, and he read it, and he was like, ugh. <laughs> you know, poor Farkin, you know, he, he probably had, would have had two novels in him that, uh, you know, this thing uh, <laughs> obliterated. Well, yeah. Mickey Mantle ended up batting 100 or something. Right. <laughs> the salad taste. So, maybe knowing when to quit is a yeah. good thing. Yeah. I think Rimbo has got to be the prime example. I mean, that guy, right? He's still a kid, and he says, that's it. Right. That's it. That's well, it. yeah. Monk once said uh, that uh, he doesn't think that if you want to, you know, f who are the great musicians at any time? He says, he says, they don't have to be mature at all. You have to see them uh, in their infancy, and you already know they either got it or they don't. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much, Richard. Thank you. December 20th, 2015 is the second hour of the Watford Beat Rose Show.
for being our show. Uh, start the second hour off with uh, Soul Brother from the Criminal Guitars. And uh, guest now, Jacob Decker, Portland, Oregon. What's your uh, earliest musical memory? Uh, it was probably a tape that uh, my grandma got me. It was Fats Domino. Okay. In the and house. then and then second was like probably Duke Ellington. Wow. Yeah. Wow. About how old? Uh, like five. Or five. Okay. Five. Before five school, even. Yeah. And uh, can you remember the first record you bought? Uh, well, we had when I was growing up. It was like there's records around the house, you know. Yeah. And. Uh, I don't know, I guess my first tape was like something by Led Zeppelin or cassette? that I bought. That that, I bought. Yeah, that you bought. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cassettes. You know, in the old days of touring, that's all we did in the, in the boat and in the van was yeah. cassette players. So I have thousands of cassettes. <laughs> Even the racks. But I haven't played for like cassettes. You know, yeah. <laughs> forever. So Led Zeppelin. Uh, What about uh, making your own music? What got you started? Um, what was the first thing you played? Was it guitar? Uh, the, the thing I was good at first was probably piano. You started with piano? Yeah. How'd that well, uh, my, Mom, why didn't you do lessons? My grandma. Grandma? Okay. So I learned How piano. old? I was seven. Seven. And uh, now I've had people on the show talk about having to do piano young. Yeah. And it was nightmare experiences. Oh, like yeah. The teachers were all belligerent, beating up, yeah. knuckle with the. I didn't get any of that. that. I didn't for not practicing. And so I'm, 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 I say that because they, they, I turned them off. I never wanted to play ever again. It was such a bad experience. Yeah. A few people like that. This wasn't like that for you. No, my teacher okay. wasn't like that. Okay. She was, uh, like, she was a nice old church lady, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Did you, was it tough? Uh, no, because you said you listened to the first thing you heard was Fats Domino. Yeah. There's some piano there. Yeah, there was the stuff that I was like, I wanted to do that, and I wanted to play like, uh, like Bumble Boogie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Cause but I she remember, wanted to teach you, what, classical? Just like church songs. Church songs, yeah, right. right. Like, okay, okay. And classical. I wish I'd have like stuck with classical, though, you know? Like, okay. Learn more about it. The, uh, the left hand, right hand, was that tough? Uh, yeah, of course. I like the left hand. I'm a little yeah. partial left hand. Of course. <laughs> of course you are. You know, base. Yeah. Uh, um, does your brain... You have to not think about it, right? Yeah. You just do it. Exactly. I maybe I have some kind of comparison when I'm trying to do the bass in the spiel. You can't think about either one. They just have to come both. But it's always intrigued me about piano and keyboard with this. Yeah, you gotta like piano. shut it off. So you guys had a piano and a pad? Of course. Yeah. Uh, and I was bitten, you know, me and boom. Well, we're talking electric, you know, to be in a band. They were so expensive in those days, and we're talking early 70s. We didn't know anybody played them. And if you do have a piano, acoustic one, how do you get it to gigs? And so we never got to play with one. That's why. When I, I met uh, second man, organ man, Pizza, uh, 
because what got me really into it, there's a song by Velvet Underground called Sister Ray. <laughs> and all these years, I finally, and he was in an Italian Slav wedding band. And uh, I got turned on to him, and I was like, wow, I get to play with him. Goes down to see, actually, lower than me. So uh, I put that band together for my second album. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, you remember the first songs you were playing? These, like, yeah, hymns and stuff, right? Yeah, like in like Chariots of Fire and stuff, and uh, like Music Box Dancer. And, like, okay, so. but you didn't like, uh, like, bring her song. Can you teach me this song? Well, I wanted yeah. to, like, I wanted to play like Boogie, you know? Yeah, right, like, right. That's what I was like, I felt that stuff. And, yeah. Oh, no, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just grew up in a small town, you know, yeah. and there's just like. What town's this? Uh, Prineville, Oregon. Prineville? Yeah. Momo Les Schwab. It's a. Uh, it's like uh, dead center of the state, Central Oregon. Okay, wow. I don't even think I'm in there. Yeah. Okay. So you aren't missing too much, really. Okay, so it's okay. Everybody's <laughs> got to come somewhere. I told them Port Portsmouth, Virginia, I mean, next to the biggest Navy base in the world. So maybe I'd like the center. <laughs> like, so um, did you ever start writing your own tunes? On the piano. Yeah, man. I don't okay. remember anything. You don't remember anything. But you did start writing. Yeah. Just like some You know, me and Deboon. Me and Deboon never wrote songs to a punk movement. Where we came from, everybody copied records. Yeah. Never wrote a song till we saw these guys almost learning in public. It was like, fuck. I remember the first thing, first game we saw was bags. And I told Deboon, we can do this. <laughs> Just, why don't we try so you wrote songs, but you, you can't remember. So how long, how long were you playing this piano? In, in criminal guitars? Well, no, oh. playing piano oh. as a kid. Oh, I, I did that for about like five years or so. Five years? Yeah. And uh, just did it at the house? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then when did uh, you make the move of guitar? Probably about like fourteen or fifteen. And that, what 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 drove drove you? Well, my uncle played and ah like, okay. And there's so like, you have music in your family. Yeah. Okay. Not a lot, but it's enough. But he had a guitar, yo. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, I just asked him if I could play it. You know, I was like, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Did you play his? Yeah, I was just like. Was, I would just always borrow it. Can I would I just borrow it? I was just like always see it sitting out there, and yeah. he'd be home, he'd be at work, and I just like, I want to give it a whirl. And you taught yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, people out there. I met Jacob uh, with Tad Falco. We got to share the stage at Dante's here in Portland, and uh, incredible guitars. Thanks, and it's, I mean, good technique and stuff, but uh, also. Uh, the spirit, man. The, the, what to me music really is. It's not just techniques and things like this. It, it's just incredible. And you're self-taught. You remember the first song you uh, learned on the guitar? Or did you start writing on the guitar right away? Uh, I think that I was like... The first song I learned all the way through. I don't know, man. Like, I... You weren't playing with other dudes. You were just playing myself. Yeah. Nobody at school... No, that wasn't until like I was like high school or something. seventeen or eighteen. Okay. Yeah, but I'd see like other kids play, and I was like, I'm gonna do that. Ah. And, uh, 
um, like all those other kids were like learning Nirvana songs and I was like learning like Led Zeppelin and like butt rock songs you know it's from 20-30 years before yeah. <laughs> okay. why, why, why do you think because uh, you want to be different yeah I yeah. guess yeah. not everybody's got to play the Nirvana songs right yeah, man. So, so you learned off some records then too like of course okay okay no, I don't. I, 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 like Greg Ginn, he told me he never copied songs off record. I met dudes that never learned off records. Hmm. They just started writing right away. Weird. I tell you, everybody's got their own mission, yeah. their own or journey. Totally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, at first I thought everybody learned off records too. Yeah. Copied things and stuff. Uh, when you, you start playing with people, well, let, let me go this. Led Zeppelin. So Jimmy Page is like big influence. Well, he, yeah, in those days. Yeah. Some other guys. How'd your uncle play? What kind of style did he play? Like, like that sort of style. I oh, guess. really? Yeah. So like, a, like arena rock. Yeah. Seventies. Yeah. Late sixties. I wasn't like totally into that at first, but then I was just like, I wanted to learn how to how to play like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Still working at it. <laughs> but, but, was there other guitars? Uh, yeah, Jimi Hendrix and like yeah, Jimi Hendrix, Joe Mathis and Joe Merle, Mathis. Merle Travis. Merle Travis. Jim Heath. Jim Heath. Yeah. Good cats. Yeah, man. Wow. It's like uh, all over the place. And when when uh, at school you met other music guys in high school and like yeah. let's do a band. Can you remember? Uh, yeah, my. Can you remember your first time jamming with other dudes? Yeah. What was it like? It was just like... Was it a garage? Or yeah, something? yeah, yeah. It's just like, I can't believe it like, feels like this, you know? And we were probably like, playing like total garbage. Yeah, you know? yeah. But and there was, what, was a drummer? A bass? Drummer, bass, uh, guitarist. It was a trio? Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, when we started, when I met D. Boone, all he knew was Creedence, you know, so. That's not bad. <laughs> we would jam, like, on the one riff for a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that what you do? <laughs> okay. Uh, did this band have a name? It was just a jam, okay. Yeah. When, can you remember when you first uh, put together a band? Uh, or was part of the band? I think it, uh, yeah. I was just, like, fresh out of school I think okay I, did that. I don't remember the name um I moved up here to play music actually. oh okay because yeah. there was a lot going on yeah there's like there's like five but still that garage was there so yeah, that's right somewhere so you came to Portland yeah and of course music scene yeah a lot of people playing here yeah you know when I first played here there was one club Satyricon <laughs> and now there's like 40 <laughs> Yeah, Maybe but, not that many, but there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. So you come here. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of cats to play. So what? What you? What happened? Um, so looking at paper or just hanging out with people? Or? Yeah, you know, like uh, I wanted to work on country stuff and uh, like punk rock stuff. Yeah, but so I I did like. Uh, cover bands for Halloween, like Misfits and Radio Birdman and the Saints and stuff. You know where Radio Birdman got the name, right? Yeah. 
1970. It's Radio Burning. Yeah, <laughs> they thought it said. Yeah. <laughs> it's still awesome, though. Yeah. It's great that they got it. You no, know, they got back together, and uh, this festival I was playing with. Maybe it was porn for Powers or Stooges, and anyway, they had to give the drummer, they had to teach the drummer that. Uh, that's what they told us. They had to teach him how drums again. Jeez. It had been so long between them playing. So, like, for Halloween, you guys did a bunch of songs. So, so that's your first gig? Oh, uh, yeah, like, probably cover bands. And then I was yeah. in a honky-tonk band for a minute. And then I'm... Now, how'd you do this? Just meeting people. Yeah. Did we, we had a thing in the, the SoCal called The Recycler, and there'd be ads. And they were hilarious, you know, no flakes, must have own equipment. Yeah. <laughs> Image a must. I tried that. Did you? Did yeah. they have that up here too? Yeah, okay. it was like Mercury and like Craigslist. But you just like, those to no avail. I did one. Because when we saw the bags, that first gig, I said, do you want to make a band? Punk band at first. So I answered one of those ads. San Monica Boulevard. It was his uh, drummer's daddy's uh, electric shop. And uh, I jammed I Want to Be Your Dog for like three hours with these, this drummer, guitar, and singer. And, uh, you know, the one riff. <laughs> like three hours. Hey, that was great and everything. And I was all happy. And I go back. You know, Pedro's like, 30 miles south. And I tell D. Boone, and D. Boone says, okay, I'll make a band with you. So I never jammed with him again. I never, doesn't add again. I, was, I didn't plan it that way. I didn't force him into it, but. You just lit the fire. I guess I did. And, and, but that band, he didn't even really like. He wouldn't give any songs. He, he always had in his mind that that. I think now. I think back about it. So, um, did you ever have ideas about making your own band? Uh, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, I saw, well, like I was in a cover band for a minute. I yeah. just like did soul songs and stuff. And yeah. I was playing bass on that. Oh, you do bass too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think about bass? <laughs> That's the foundation, baby. Yeah, but, but uh, compared with guitar, like, much uh, different? It, told me, it taught me how to like slow down a little bit. Yeah. Just like take it easy. You know the sounds. I know it's got strings like guitar, but it's kind of like drums. The, the sounds. I think the closest thing is the kick drum. Yeah. And toms. Yeah. And yeah, uh, they're like D and Gs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you play bass and doing so, and that's the perfect music too because the bass is really a lot of those songs. I think start them. It seems. Uh, a lot of styles of music, the bass is the last thing added. Mm-hmm. Not not soul and R&B. It yeah, seems like that stuff right, right up right in up front. Up. Yeah. yeah, and then they add the other stuff. Yeah, and the guitar players too are really smart in that music. For, for as far as letting the bass get yeah, in there. Steve Cropper, another hero. Yeah, really. Uh, they leave room, space, play oh. trebly. You know, one thing I had with the Led Zeppelin kind of music, man, it was hard. You know, John Entwistle could do it, or Jack Bruce, but it was hard to get through. Yeah. And uh, actually, politically, people thought the guitars dominated too much. And that's why they had their sound. It was like, actually, the music was more political than the words. Yeah, you want the bass and drums come up and the guitar 
sort of like with the RV. All trips. Yeah. yeah, I got into that. Uh, so you were in this band and you were thinking of making your own band? Yeah, I just I just wanted to, to like play music that people could just go, go dance to, you know? Dance? Okay. Yeah. And that's completely different from the arena rock. Everybody sitting down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to play arena rock. I don't yeah, know. If yeah, I, yeah. No, but that's I just, just a thing in your life. Yeah, a stage. I just like seeing people have a good time. You know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They ain't worried about their bills or all that other shit. Yeah, know? right, 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 right. Um, work the room. Yeah, you know, work it. Work it. Get people. Uh, in a kind of way, like church, man. Everybody comes together with their, their singing and yeah. with their bodies and dancing, and the, the vibrations off the stage. And so what came to that? Uh, it, it just dissolved. It dissolved, okay. Yeah. And then, so the story of the criminal guitars. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't doing anything for a long time. and, and my no, whole, no music? Yeah, I mean, I was just like sitting in my room and just planking away. You were still playing though? Yeah, so quit, of course, okay. just work on it. Yeah. And uh, my buddy was like, hey, uh, I'm doing this thing with my other friends and they need a, we need a guitarist okay so can do it and I was like kind of unsure at first but now I like it and I just love playing with those kids you know okay and uh, so they already had it going yeah and then you they, come and join right and uh, yeah you guys got a great sound man I mean it's just a happening band do you remember your first gig with them? Yeah. Uh, God, what was it? And that was at the East End before there was a fire there. The East End? Yeah, it was over on uh, MLK. Oh, yeah. We drove that on that to get here yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And what was it like? It was, it, the first shows were like, I don't know, I was, I was unsure at first, you know? Because you're doing original music. Yeah. It's different yeah, than the like, copy bands, we, right? What are we looking for? Right? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, actually, everybody's pretty distinct in the band. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, not like wearing all the same clothes, man. Yeah, but even the styles, everything—it's a, tri a trippy collection of uh, things, yeah. personalities, and uh, expressions. I like it. So, being in that band is like. Trying to hurt cats a lot of times. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but it's like That's when we play live, it feels good. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, worth it. So, so uh, oh yeah, you guys. Of course, you just played some record. What, what was that like? Was that your first time in the studio? Um, no, I uh, I played bass for uh, like this uh, evangelical Christian ska band, like. And they recorded? And they recorded, and I did and some bass. Scummy. Yeah, I did like a fucking... Now bass tracks on yeah, that. Yeah, but bass on ska is pretty moving usually. Yeah. Is it like going along? When I think of some of the bands, the bass line's pretty pumping. Yeah. I just kind got, of foundation. I just got bored, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it like in the studio? Um, You know about this thing called red light? If you, when you know you're being recorded all the class? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? I, gets, I, I still get that shit. I like to get in there and get out. I'm just like... Oh. I get so nervous. And yeah. Like, One thing about this new thing, you could do it at home. <laughs> Try it again and again and again. In the old days, you rent studio time, expensive. Oh, clams and clams. I get so nervous. 
the red light is, uh, you know, recording. That's what I meant by that. And like, you know it's being captured. If you're just messing around and you don't think you'll be recorded, <laughs> you kind of play better. I used to, I used to like uh, put in a tape and like hit record on a stereo that could record through the speaker or whatever. Yeah. And then I would play that through the stereo and I'd crank that up and then I'd play like another guitar or mandolin over the top of that. And oh, then, you play mandolin too? Do you play mandolin? Just barely. Yeah, and fifths. Yeah. Two like a violin. Yep. So the more drama when you go between the strings. And uh, he showed me some chords cool. and uh, stuff. In fact, I made a mistake to tell Jim O'Rourke that. And uh, I got to put mandolin. We made this duet album together and I got to put mandolin on it. <laughs> yeah, I got to do that. This spring, I got to finish four records. Some of them, they've been like five years. But, but, but back to you. Um, so... Uh, uh, after the evangelical ska man recording, I well, I was just like because your I, next recording was it was it criminal, criminal guitars, guitars. okay? Yeah. So what was that like? It was it was better a lot. Yeah, okay, it was good. Okay, yeah. I was just like filling in, but they wanted to right. They already it. had stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you like two thousand takes or one take? What do you like? I like to do it like within one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Feel I don't like right. to fuck around, <laughs> you know, just play it simple. Yeah, the feel. Yeah. Uh, songwriting. Did you get into that? Uh, well, when you were sitting in your room just uh, playing guitar? Yeah, I've got, I've got a few things that I'm working on, you know, I got... Yeah. Because some dudes, for example, my second man, they don't write songs. Yeah. But they play like motherfuckers. Probably most people... Symphonies <laughs> don't compose. Exactly. I think people just think just because you play, you compose too. I don't think. I think some dudes who compose don't really play that much. I think you can to be both. It's kind of special. Yeah, one of my friends writes all the parts for his whole band, like really? and everything. Well, Jay Maskus. Yeah. Did that for a long time. Now you more lose back in. There. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, some guys. Oh, that kid uh, in England, uh, the Go Team, he records them all himself. And then the band's just so you can do uh, gigs. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. so but there's a lot of ways to do it. So that's why I'm cu kind of curious. Uh, what's your process with songwriting? Uh, well, it depends on like what I got in my hands. Like, I usually just. Like, well, for example, I always start with title. Really? Yeah, so I can focus on something. Mm. It seems I'm too scatterbrained. I, I need to like have it together. Yeah, like a foundation. And everybody I've told that to says, wow, it's weird. And nobody, they say titles always last. Yeah. Maybe it came from the Minutemen because uh, when Georgie or D. Boone gave me words, they never gave me titles. So I was always in charge of the titles. But it seemed, for me, for writing, I had to have a title. So. Well, my idea is the words and the music, they got to kind of come together somehow. <laughs> right. And so that's the... Uh, I would start with the music, like... Okay. You know, like, pianos are good to have around because you got, like, your bass... Oh, you compose them. So why uh, you have a um, keyboard then? Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, so you didn't let it go? No, man. Yeah, good. You don't want to waste well, waste your time for nothing, no. I guess. <laughs> no, no. And compose... 
I think probably, especially in the old days, a lot of compositions done on piano. Because you're right, you get the bass and the treble. It's like uh, it's like the corn the the chords are like horn parts and stuff. Sure. Well, what about composing on the bass? Because uh, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I've done some guitar, like that third opera I did all on Dee Boone's guitar. Man, man, I wrote a few, but maybe five percent on bass. The way I see it is, bass kind of like glue. You ain't got something to stick to, you're just a puddle. So I, I look at the, I don't really look at the song all the way realized. The guys that are playing with me, they're going to bring stuff to it. So, you know, launch pad or springboard, that's the way I see things. Now I got a bass, a band with two basses. Actually, it's my longest running band we've had in 30 years now. It's called Dose. And that's a trip. He's writing. You know, uh, Do you write his parts too? No, no. But that's the lady from Black Flag. No, no, no lady. You knew her. <laughs> you know what? I've helped with some little parts, but uh, she set him up. And even, uh, well, I've been lucky to play with people like Nels Klein and stuff, you know. They, they, they weigh into that. Yeah, because some people, uh, they don't think it's enough. You know, yeah. it's like you're writing a song on the kick drum or on the cymbals, you know, you're, you're not giving me enough. But people like that's why they love it. Yeah. Because it's uh, not restrictive. I mean, we got some harmonic stuff, we got some notes and stuff. We definitely have rhythm and starts and stops. But it's a lot of it's up in the air from the guy, the cat's playing with you. And I, I like to do that with the composition. And sometimes they're, they're all about possibility. I just want to see what comes out. Yeah. And uh, so that has nothing to do with playing for people, work in a room. Well, it does have something because you have to have material. <laughs> Don't work that way, or, or just do covers. So your process is you're up, uh, you're on your piano, you come up with things, a music, or I'll like finger pick something. Or finger pick, and I could like write soul song on on bass too. Okay, so you start with bass like sometimes too. Yeah. And then uh, then you bring in the, the singing or melody line. Yeah. Yeah, that was like street eight. Yeah, okay, okay. And then then comes the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what do you uh you make demos? Uh I don't. You know I should. In the old days I didn't either, me and you wouldn't did either. Well one thing we didn't have to teach each other because we grew up playing together, so Right. Most of the time spent working Georgie in on the drums. Yeah, because he'd just play it and I'd hear something, play right to it. Saying, you do it to me too. Do it to me. <laughs> Give for me. Yeah. And uh, I never had that again until Nels Klein. In fact, a lot of the recordings I've done with Nels, um, I had the song all together, but I bring him in the studio. He's never even heard it before. And because he has years of improvisation, he just plays right to it. Yeah, and because uh, I'm in, I'm into the possibility, the mystery. Wow, what can this become? Totally. Like like giving birth. To, how are they going to grow up? These things into going to be a, yeah. you know, I don't know. Sometimes Einsteins are they going to be like criminals or whatever? What is going to come out of this stuff? Do you ever change the a song over time too? Just like make it a little yeah, different. Big time. Yeah. All the time. Now, last night, you know, some of that stuff was 35 years old. 
and actually very hard to play. <laughs> you know, I don't really play that way anymore, but I just thought it was a good idea to try it. There were tunes that I, I, I always thought of Minutemen songs as Minutemen, but actually there was three different writers. So I thought, play the ones where Watt wrote everything. Not all the Trump fills and the lead guitar and all that, but you know, the words and the music. Right. And uh, they were weird. I mean, those guys wrote the better songs. <laughs> and, you know, much better songs, but they were strange. And so I thought it would be kind of neat to do that and, and play that. But some of them I did have to change because I just can't play that way anymore. It, I changed a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so knowing was, when not to play sometimes, it'll make something so cool. Yeah, and dynamic. Yeah, leaving stuff out. Yeah, just well, like, he, that's part of my process too. I usually start up if I'm developing a riff or chord changes too much, and I have to pull out, pull out, uh, which might be better than having to add and add. <laughs> Maybe it's better to pull out, and pull out. Yeah, because um, you can add it later too. Just keep. Who are some songwriters that, that inspire you? Uh, well, George Harrison. Good songwriter. Yeah, I like George Harrison. I think that, I was reading, no, it was a movie, Scor Martin Scorsese? It's on an airplane. I usually watch those. But that's the reason the band broke. They would only give him one song a record. Yeah, he's a great songwriter, man. Well, he had a whole bunch because of that, so when, what, he had like a double album or triple album? Uh, any others? Um, uh, Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington. Uh, I like him. Incredible. He's a great songwriter. Yeah. And Billy Strayhorn. Billy Strayhorn. Yeah. Nature Boy. Yeah, man. And Charles Mingus, too. Like, Great, great composer. A lot of people realize that. And uh, he didn't do any on the bass. It was all on the piano. Yeah. Mingus yeah. Fingers, I think, was his first song. Have you ever read? There's a book called Beneath the Underdog. I have, I have read that. The autobiography. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. amazing. Kind of. There's and it's like fantasy. <laughs> yeah, and also it's like his the in the early chapters too, just like his childhood growing up. Oh yeah, just like devastating, and like no wonder he's crazy. Yeah, I know, I know. But he's written so well too, like music. It's written like music. That book is intense. People listen to it if you can. Uh, in Portland now, what's the scene like? You know, I come, right, when I'm on tour and stuff, and it's hard to really know what's going on in a town when you're there one day and shit. Yeah, I think, like right now? I, th I think there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Like, yeah. for a few years there, it felt, like, pretty stagnant, but there's a little... I feel like... I mean, like, no new sounds, no new bands? Yeah, or maybe it was just that I was stagnant and just didn't feel like... But the scene, going I think, on. is really healthy now. Yeah, I think it's doing better. better. Yeah, it's okay. getting better. Okay, a lot of good bands to play yeah. with. And like, and like, some of the bands I mean, are just... people talk getting... about this. Uh, I think a scene is important. I mean, everybody's got to do stuff on their own, too. But it's, it's happening to have a scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, how you get to express yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's doing okay right now. So I some think. bands you like here? Uh... Danova, uh, uh, you know, like uh, Hong Kong banana. Hong Kong banana. Yeah, 
the reverberations of reverberations long knife long knife these are guys I don't know of. this is why I'm, I'm curious yeah they're, they're all doing really good right now it's good to watch them too you know what's the hardest thing about being a musician in Portland is <laughs> the it's the same everywhere I guess it's just What's like that? being broke you know? being broke yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but some people like practice pads are hard to find I've been yeah. so lucky I've had the same practice pad 29 years nice. it's an officer's latrine of this old fort I took out all the shitters and put up a bulkhead in the hatch and red yeah because boom we didn't uh, have uh, apartments you know so Especially with drummers, practice pads were hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Everything's expensive here. You have to share it with a bunch of other bands. That's what you do. Yeah. Is it one of the pads that have a lot of crack rooms? Uh, yeah. There's one of those in Pedro. It's almost impossible. They're, there's all they're all going on at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm so lucky that way. I'm so lucky that way. The only thing we hear is us. That's good. <laughs> so, so lucky. So I'm curious about things like that. There is a lot of venues, a lot of places to play here. I know that. Yeah. And so there's been so many that's like kind of come and sh go shut down too. Like, like in the last few years that have been going for a while. You okay. Know? Like wow. Satyricon shut down. I know. And, and slapped down. And it's crazy to watch. It's just all happening so fast. And what about uh? Labels. What do you like? Labels. What are labels? Uh, Important. Um, Not really. Well, my there are. Jackpot records. Jackpot. Uh, forgot. Record stores. Um, Jackpot, Second Avenue, Mississippi Records. Yeah. Crossroads is good. Um, Mississippi Crossroads. I was with Tafalco in Clarksville. That's where the cross. Maybe there's some corny ass sign up there or sculpture. But that, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I knew that song from Cream way before I knew Robert Johnson. You know. And of course. I, it's called Wheels of Fire, right? Yeah, and one album studio, one's live, and they mixed it with Jack Bruce. Jack Bruce was a huge influence on me. Yeah, a lot of guys were though. James Jamerson, Larry Graham. Larry Graham invented the slap, right? Because he didn't have a bass player. Yeah, but if you think about the rockabilly guys, are kind of yeah. You know, music. We're talking about John Coltrane and. This interview, Frankowski said, oh, Son, Son Ross says you're ripping him off. You know, He goes, well, you know, I do listen to John Gilmore. Yeah. It's sort of like music's a reservoir, everybody. Yeah. So things blend and people influence on each other. Yeah, you're and like a they, melting pot, you know. Right, right. Take all the influences. So it's mixed like Jack on one side, Mr. Clapton, and he rolls in there. <laughs> and I, it was just incredible. I mean, Based on the hierarchy, is sort of like the retarded friend. And actually, after the movement, the punk movement came in, it really opened things up for the bass players. I really think, really did. Who was the bass player for the Rosillos? Oh, I remember them. 
Yeah, he was. It was a, a husband and wife and front front people, front singers. Right. I, I, I can't remember the guys in the band. I can't remember their names. But what about? Yeah, he's good. He amazing. He's good. I think they got back together and are doing gigs. Yeah, we just uh, I just saw them. In, uh, and they're they're from the seventies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it, profound on me, profound on me. Wheels of fire. You know, he died last year. I was in Mobile, and it hit me hard. I don't know why. I mean, he lived rough. He's lucky to make it probably to where he did. And, but I just felt I owed him so much. Yeah. And man, we get done. Well, the gig was really strange. And we get done playing. And uh, have you ever done this thing where you go to the YouTube and just start watching videos? Uh, the cream and shit and jack. Of course. Yeah. Bourbon. It was, it was hard. It was really hard. It hit me hard. Then Andy Frazier. Was it free? Uh, Trevor Boulder from the Spiders of Mars. Really. You know, I, I think as, as you go on, the odds of losing more people. But these guys are hugely, hugely influential on me. It's a trip. I feel like I owe them, like I should be cutting their lawn or something. Uh, washing the windows. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Because what you get from them is like I know you I feel know. like you're never gonna like, be able uh, to repay. Well, them. of course, the D Boom number one. I mean, yeah. as far as music for me, but all these other guys I never even met. You know. Yeah. Music is an interesting thing. I brought up something that I want to ask you about touring. Yeah. Uh, Have you I've done touring? Once. Yeah, what was that like? It was like booked for ten days, and we only played like we were booked for ten shows, and only played five. Half of them. Yeah, so that like was the West Coast? Yeah, that was frustrating. It was frustrating. You want to do more? Oh, yeah. Okay. But I just want to do it with a band I like, you know? Okay. <laughs> like with people I like and trust. That's what I want to do it with. But this, this was a criminal guitars. No, it was, yeah. Cause it was silly business. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it a little while. So. Yeah. I think the last, if you call a tour more than a month, 69, six, I think 69 to have. That's my 69, so I'm doing a little more. Only 69 more. <laughs> and it's an interesting way of, uh, actually, that's the living. That's how I make a living, is uh, playing the clubs. That's why I'm uh, interested in the different scenes and stuff. Because they're so short, you know? Yeah. And they're just so, so little. There's so much to learn about, like, you know, you get all these influences. You, yeah. you can probably pretty much do anything you want. You just well, got to work on that. Uh, yeah, you got to work on that. And I think you have to have a kind of dynamic. I mean, there's hills and valleys. You're going to take blows. Always. So not be self-important, I think, but somehow have a belief. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I didn't ever do it, like, play music because... Because I wanted money or anything yeah. like that. For love, right? I just do it because... Expression. Yeah. You want to get stuff out. Yeah. You want to make people dance. To me, those are great, great motivations. Yeah. But you don't really have a touring experience. Wow, that's a trip. I need some... Because a lot of these people... Well, there's people I know that never toured. They only played local. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Be Portland treasure. Well, <laughs> I want a tour. Yeah. I mean, there is something about it that's not even musical because you are going to see in the rest of the country. Other people call these vacations. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see in places. It's a really neat kind of side benefit about it. Uh, what about stuff? You know, if it was a, a magazine, you know they'd be talking about the stuff. Equipment. Mm. You were playing no, uh, Gretz, right? Yeah. When you worked on it, you changed it a little bit, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I just had the bridge pegged on it and stuff. And I'm what about like, the pickups? Those, those are both original? Those are original. Okay. Stock. I thought about, like, just putting, like, a more of a lower, what, like, TV Jones pickup in it, but... It sounds fine the way it sounds is. Sounds great. Think. Sounds great. What about amp wise? It's got a concert reverb, right? Yeah. Here. It's good. Four tens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I no, like concerts were uh, Bob Mole. He also liked them JC whatever chorus things. Mm -hmm. And he played with both of them. I remember. Uh, no, concerts are good. Yeah. What year? Is the amp? I think it's like a. Early nineties or something. That's a reissue one. Yeah, it's all right. I'm what about pedal rock? I tried it for my second opera. It's too hard for what? Yeah, <laughs> you know, hard. like I just use like uh, the distortion and the amp and the tremolo and the reverb, and I have a delay, and it's just like this old like. You have a delay. Thing. Yeah. And do you get a fuzz box? Uh. No. Just it's amp. from the amp, yeah. Yeah, I don't like the. I don't like. What about mess. what about popping for solo? Uh, I just play louder. A boost, yeah. You have a boost box? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get rid of it though. I just don't. Know. Yeah. For me, I couldn't get the coordination. Also, bass uh, loses a lot of punch. I don't even like bass with two pickups. I like one pickup more punch. Bass is a lot about punch. Yeah. You guitar guys, you're more about texture. Very interesting, though. I mean, both worlds just have different uh, different things. Um, with criminal guitars, do you uh, bring material to them? Uh, I think that no, the singer does most of the writing. Yeah, right. So when you come in, like I want, I want to do like this country album too, just like finger picking stuff. And yeah, pegated. Yeah, just like do you know what's in that? I need to with work a pick on or fingers. Nashville Claw. Oh, the Claw, both. That's bad. I love that shit. Cause <laughs> you don't have to sit it down, you know. No, you no. And the, funny. There's a there's a trippy. It's a trippy thing, though, man. It's, it's yeah. I'm not it's a blend of all this. I'm not great at it yet. You but do. you're working on it. Yeah, always. Um, what about uh, tunings? Uh, you ever do that open stuff? Yeah, well, capo stuff on the on a lap steel like I'll. Uh, oh, you got lap steel? Yeah, I do like C six, you know, the speaking yeah. west tuning. Yeah, but I talked to this this old dude that played steel for Asleep a, a at the Wheel. Yeah, he's like he's like just drop it down to A six is something beefier. Might take his advice. Okay. Yeah. Wow, it's cool. Now let's do some of that lap. What about the pedal? That's yeah. like <laughs> that's a whole way. He told me the same thing. It's a whole other world. Yeah, that and like sitar is just yeah. <laughs> sitar. Yeah, actually on the album, 
I got to finish that we did together. He uh, played electric sitar. Uh, Coral, I think, was the company was something from the '60s. Uh -huh. Electric sitar. He put it on every tune. He overdubbed. He also put tw a twelve-string electric twelve-string. It's a, it's a wild. He used thirty-six pedals. That's yeah, too I mean, much, man. That warped my brain. <laughs> it's a Mike Watt record. And it's a dance. We're talking about dancing. This dude is doing a dance. You know, his favorite pedal is the <laughs> volume. Yeah. <laughs> Billy was playing a volume one last night. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, kick it in. Yeah, right. Danny Gatton had like that cool style, too. You, like, oh, you know Danny Gatton? And from Ohio's favorite guitars. Wow. Yeah. So sad about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, he, he was incredible. And he would man, you like that thing would make it sound like his pinky on the volume and make it sound I like know, I know. Just the swells. And his left hand too was pretty, but his right hand was amazing. Oh, that guy's incredible. What was he, like DC area or something? Oh. Yeah, like East Coast. Even. That guy was a monster guitarist. Yeah. There's a ton of them out there, and like kids too. Man. Right, right, Just, right. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, some people always tell me too many, too many bands, too many musicians, too much music. Is there? Like, What's the opposite? <laughs> yeah. Not enough, you know. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, the more out there, the more variety, more flavors, more taste, yeah. more, more interesting thing. So, future plans? Well, uh, we're playing a show tonight at a Star <laughs> near future. <laughs> yeah, and then we're in... We're going to do our 45 release in late January, and then we got to get back in the studio and work on the full length. Yeah. And then a tour. So, uh, what studio? What studios are like in Portland? You don't know yet? Uh, I've only played at like two of them. They were actual studios, but they're fun. Okay. Uh, do you think when you get the album done, you guys are going to try and tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me when you come to SoCal. I will. Like that's what like that's what my whole point of playing music is, man. Just to like get out there and just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. What? You know, because what else are you gonna do? Right. Let, 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 let's tell the listeners. Huh? Uh, I got in contact with Jacob after seeing him play when we shared the stage at Dante's last six weeks ago. Yeah. Because I want to make a project with him. Yeah, I like the way he played so fucking much, man. Uh, it really inspired me, and I've, I've got some uh, music on my floor when I get some t a little time here. Yeah. I'm not going to tour this spring or summer. Because I got to shoot. The one thing about touring a lot, it's hard to get things done because you're driving around playing. But just good, but it's good to. Like, Things going. Yeah, man. Like I told you, these four albums and the project. Four albums. Yeah, and uh, so cool. Be open minded about that. Yeah, man. I want to play all sorts of things. You know, not just one thing. You know what? That, that's very inspiring for me. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jacob. And uh, really, your journey, righteous. Thanks for sharing it with us and being on the show. Thank you so much. Okay, we're gonna play uh, this other tune. Um, can't get no water. No water. So it was called no water, but then yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And good luck, safe seas. Yeah. And soon, 
We will be co-conspiring. We're going to work on something. We're going to work on it. Soul. Yep, that's right. That was your thing. And I'm into it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm into it. When you said that, man, it was like, yeah. You know, because it's different than what everyone else Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And you can like... But actually, my music uh, journey, it's very fundamental. It's way back. James Jamerson is so... So the hook, yeah. People that that's he's showing the index finger because this is what this man. I think he was calling me a South Carolina guy, and some Detroit. I think he's on like two hundred top twenty uh, singles. Yeah, his name's only on one. That poor. Uh, what's it called? Yeah. Oh yeah. And the bass is gone. Yeah. Says funk on the headstock. Oh yeah, I heard it was unplayable too. Well, <laughs> but for anyone with him, his yeah. action was guy was like William Tell. <laughs> yeah. He started out on like... But you know what? I heard the same thing about Trains Reads. They were so thick. I think these guys, they're so expressive that if, they bottom out and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I, I got to, up to a three when I was playing saxophone. Was that right? You yeah. did sax too? Yeah. You tell me that. Yeah. Yes. Damn. We'll just figure out some other stuff. Yeah, shit. Put it on. I mean... Omni man. But one time I, this guy dropped my bass and broke the headstock off and I had to borrow a bass at the gig. And action was so low, it was impossible. Yeah. I can understand high action. Yeah, yeah, you need a little bit so you can grab it. Yeah, you know? but I own so much, so the, the soul thing is righteous. Yeah, man, because for every emotion that you've ever That's had, right. there's a song that describes it. That's right. So thanks so much and good luck uh, with the uh, release. Of course. And uh, the gig night, and the album later, and then the tour. And we will do the E. Yeah, we get our know. thing together. Exactly. Here we go. Criminal Guitars uh, uh, with Can't Get No Water. What Pedro Show. I do dig bad.
December 20, 2015. Actually, it's now the 23rd. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
bushes, my footsteps burned holes in the ground. My fear was my leader, I needed to rush. My heartbeat was the only sound.
that's how love is how we put things together. Pain takes things apart. Strength and understanding, courage to market, reward it with something tangible. It's a strange way to get through a new city, to find someone that you love and give to a friend, to make something so beautiful you don't want to give it away, pour over it, ponder it, hold it in slow amazement, then finally part with it. That's what it takes. Yours affectionately, a finished product.
Start off the third hour of music with Johnny and the Jones from the World's Forgotten Sons. Brand new band. Look, it's not really December 20 now, it's the 23rd. I'm back in Pedro. I didn't have enough time Sunday. My birthday, 58th birthday. I did get to play John Doe's bass at the gig that night. Then was thousand mile hell ride. <laughs> Fuck. Seventeen and a half hours. Thank God me and my second men, Pizzo and Jerzo, made it safe. Much grateful why. Anyway, the frights after that with you're gonna hate this. And do you like the animals? Brand new from Elmo and the Sticks. Sophie Scholl versus Surf Nasties from Cosmodrome, Bungie Jumping People Die. Alex Kane. Got to do some T-Rex with him. A Tribute to Dose by Avi Jonner Eisenberg. Very kind. Trust a lie. No, 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 no. Brand new Discipline of Kichma. Sorry. Zabro Valley. Rock and Roll. Then Trustless Eyes. Kim Woman Kester. Koya, you know, discipline keeps my, I get too happy, but we ain't got enough time. Uh, Ur, Urian Hackney with the box, cold busted. After that, unfinished sketch, seven inch, radiation society, black moss, super rainbow, Mr. Tom. New stuff. So that's how uh, Joe Brewer out of Madison, the desert by the Yoppers, my capitalist wife from Mr. Susan out of England. Election Day, Giant Haystacks, Oh, Sore, 
Soar song, Lutheran Toby. That's Brother Larry there on the drum. Luther organ. Love was in me. Wild style line with Kim Gordon. I saw Philly last week at that dinosaur thing in New York. I got to do some Stooges. Uh, the good times are over. Laurie Ahmet and John Truby's Rod Zone by Dr. Amazon. Just saw him. Mama B-Day. Chicken Coop, Earthburn Ensemble. And finally, Eastbound Train, brand new from Reg Bloor. Um, good people. I'm, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> uh, love, Richard Meltzer. Love, uh, Jacob Dacker. Um, these 16 gigs we got to do with X. Wow. You count the summer. Um, 58-year-old Watt wishes you all the well. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>